Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio C. By the way, this is Studio C. We have a few studios. You know, we're real fancy around here. And uh, I'm sitting at the table today with a very special guest, Mr. Avi Lickin. Hi. Great to be with you. Uh, first time on this show. Yeah, yeah, first time, first time, absolutely. But, but uh, I'd lost how many, I lost count how many times I've been here at Beit Tehila, so. Well, uh, yes, Avi has been a friend of Beit Tehila for over 20 years. He's been uh, coming around since the 90s, long before I even I came to Beit Tehila, right? And uh, it's a funny story, actually. Uh, we've seen you, my wife and I, uh, on different shows over the years. You've been on, you know, Gary Stearman's show, Derek Gilbert's show, all these different places. And so when we started finding our Hebrew roots, and then we did an internet search, and we came to Beit Tehila, one day they announced in the announcements that Avi Lipkin, this celebrity, you know, is uh. is, <laughs> is coming to to Beit Tehila. We're like, wait, they know, ba- you know, they know Avi Lipkin, and so we were just, you know, floored and astounded. You know, yeah. now I've met you, you know, I don't know, at least Good. a half dozen times. So I'm thankful to have you here. So. Uh, I want to welcome you uh, very sincerely. We appreciate you coming. Uh, he actually came out of his way to, to be with us today. And I want to hear about you so that we can introduce you to the audience um, about where you're from, how you came to where you are now, which I know this is, you know, we would need at least three hours. So give us the, the, the abridged version uh, and we'll kind of go from there. Instead of the Pentecostal version, you want the Baptist version. <laughs> Whatever about, version you about, feel comfortable with. About yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> three, three scriptures and a fish story. Yeah. yeah. I have quite a few of those. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you for having me. Um, I don't know where to start because, uh, you know, my teachings are about 27 hours of teaching between <laughs> books, CDs, and DVDs. Wow. And this is not even scraping the tip of the iceberg uh, in what we're doing. I think that um, uh, the key subject right now that interests uh, the whole world uh, is what's happening in Afghanistan. Right, right. And... Um, and I've said this many times before in different forums. I even got a jail sentence, commuted to 10 years of probation, you know, for saying that Allah is the devil. Allah is not God. Right. You know, because the, the myth, the lie, is that Allah and God are the same. Now, Allah means God. Sure. But Muhammad, when he was rejected by the Jews and the Christians, changed it to Allah alilahi. Allah alilahi is God, the moon God. Because the moon god was the greatest of 360 pagan gods in Arabia. You had the moon, the sun, and the stars. Those are the greatest gods. Sure. These are not the gods of the Jews and the Christians. These are not the gods of Israel. No, clearly. They're not the gods of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not only that, in Deuteronomy 17, which is a holy book, a holy chapter for Christians and Jews, it says that anyone who prostrates to the moon, the sun, and the stars take them to the gates of the city and stone them. Yikes. Which basically means that Islam is a criminal, is a capital offense. Oh, wow. 
Now, here in America, obviously, no one ever will accept that, even though it says so in the Bible. I consider Christian America as part of the gates of Israel. Um, so the, and in Israel, if I say something like this, and Israel is the land of the Bible. Right. If I say this, you know, to stone anyone who prostrates to the moon, you know, what, what do you mean? You're going to have to uh, kill 200, uh, 2 million Israeli Muslims, 2 million Palestinian Muslims, that's 4 million, and basically ban Islam. So if I were to say that in Israel, I would probably be jailed for hate speech and or put in an insane asylum, because how can anyone say such a thing? But it says that in the Bible. And uh, the gods of Islam uh, were 360. Muhammad abolished 357. <laughs> and uh, he promised his followers a monotheistic religion, one God. Gotcha. And today Islam is a one God religion, but it is the moon God. It's not, it, it was three gods, the moon, sun, the stars, and then after 12 years, uh, Muhammad started his religion in 622, and 12 years later, 634, the the early followers of Muhammad say, hey, you promised us a monotheistic religion like the Jews and the Christians. So he abolished the sun and the stars. But still, if you look at the flags of the Islamic countries, if you look at their currencies and all their symbols, it's still the moon, the sun, and the stars. Um, and they have a God who hates the Jews, does our God hate the Jews? Our God loves the Jews. No, our God is a Jew. <laughs> and our God is a Jew. Yeah. And they, they hate the Christians. Yeah. Uh, they want to kill the Jews on Saturday because the Jews are the Saturday people. They want to kill the Christians on Sunday because the Christians are the Sunday people. And uh, they want to kill the Hindus and Buddhists uh, because they're pagans. Sure. And then the Muslims go ahead and kill each other. So therefore, I came to the conclusion that if they do all of this in the name of Allah, Allah is a God, small g, with, with a depopulating ideology. Mm. In other words, forget about abortion yeah. uh, or LGBT. Just become a Muslim. Everyone's killing everyone. Right. And this is what you see today in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, you have Sunnis killing Sunnis, Sunnis killing Shiites, Shiites killing Sunnis. Uh, this is not just about the Jews and the Christians, the Hindus and the Buddhists. Uh, I, I would say that um, this is going to come to you as a shock, Yeah. that I'm going to be very, very pleased if China takes over Afghanistan. Because you've got 40 million crazy Afghans. I don't want to say all of them are crazy, yeah, but what's yeah. going on there is craziness. Right. This Allah is crazy. It's a Satan. The, the Chinese don't take prisoners. And the Chinese have their own problem in Western China with 10 million Uyghurs. So if you've got 40 million in Afghanistan... What's 40 million compared to one and a half billion Chinese? Yeah. And you have to remember, the, the Muslims are fighting the Buddhists in Thailand. They're fighting the Buddhists in Myanmar. The Japanese don't even allow Islam on the Japanese islands. So I think that the Chinese have a, have a good understanding of the threat facing them. Um, Afghanistan contains minerals that the Chinese economy needs. It's, was it lithium? Everything. Okay. And uh, Afghanistan could play theoretically a very important role uh, in the belt, Silk Belt Road of China going into Russia and going to the West. Interesting. Uh, so I don't think 40 million Muslims 
and Afghanistan uh, are an obstacle right. to China's plans of domination and hegemony in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, you know, everybody here in America sees China as the great enemy. But, uh, you know, I have to tell you, when I was uh, in Moscow in 1994, I did a one-hour radio show live uh, on Radio Moscow. Okay. And uh, the truth is, my Russian isn't that great. So I had to go to the radio station at 8 in the morning and uh, prepare the questions and answers uh, in writing. Ah, gotcha. In Russian. So they would ask the question. I would be reading as, as I, I know enough Russian to know that it was exactly faithful to the, uh, my, my message. And I said to the Russian people, I said to them that Islam is a threat to all of humanity. And I said to them that uh, Russia and uh, Europe and the United States and Israel need to band together to deal with Islam. And uh, my uh, interviewer, his name was Oleg Gripkov, and he said to me, well, you know, 1994, Russia is not a communist country officially anymore, but we're still all communists. Yeah. And, you know, we communists believe in the solidarity of all the nations. And so we believe in solidarity with the Muslim nations. And I said to him, you know something, Oleg? I said, that's all nonsense. He said, why do you say it's all nonsense? I said, because you Russians have been fighting the Turks for a thousand years. <laughs> yes, uh, and, yeah. and it ain't over. Right. And he said to me, you know, we have to tell you something. When the Nazi armies uh, surrendered at Stalingrad, all the different units surrendered. There were Hungarians and Italians and Romanians and pa there were Palestinians and Chechens. The only ones that would not surrender were the Palestinians and the Chechens, the Muslims. Interesting. A and they had a final death charge. They ran with their bayonets drawn and they had their daggers. They all had daggers in their mouth and they charged at the Red Army machine gunners. Ooh. So that was over pretty quick. I would say so. They would not surrender. And so Oleg Gripkov said to me, every Russian schoolchild knows the history of the Battle of Stalingrad and this last charge of the Muslims. They know that the Russians, uh, the, the, the Russians know that Islam is a very fierce opponent. And the Russians lost in Afghanistan. The Americans lost in Afghanistan. Mm. The British, 150 years ago, if you remember Kipling, mm -hmm. Rudyard Kipling, they lost. I don't think the Chinese are going to lose. I think the Chinese are just going to steamroller any Islamic insanity which tries to go against China. Yeah. And I, I think the Chinese will make order there. They might even settle 10, 20, 30 million Chinese there. Sure. So I, I have a question. I mean, I've, I've heard you speak on this subject before, and um, I, want, I want you to ex expound on it as you continue. Uh, but, you know, there's Muslims all over the world, right? I mean, there's right. What, how many, two billion or a billion and a half Muslims? Right? One and a half billion. And, and so they say, right, especially in the media, there's a, a small percentage of Muslims that are radical or extremist, right? And they'll, they'll give light to other, other things like, hey, in these countries, you know, the average, you know, age uh, is anywhere between, you know, 16 and 29, 70% of them are males, they have no job prospects, they have no, you know, hope for a future, they're, you know, have a second grade education at best, and they're very tribal. And so what that does is it breeds a, uh, a tribal or a gang mentality, and that's what we're seeing, and it's just fueled uh, by um, some sort of a religious zealousness, right? Um, you know, what do you what do you say to that uh, when people try to push it off onto other 
things rather than focusing on the core message of Islam. Well, you're 100% correct. Uh, I will add also, uh, my wife Rachel, uh, like myself, is a Jewish person. Uh, it's just I was born and raised in Christian America. Sure. And so my frame of mind is Christian. Mm. Rachel was born and raised in Islamic Egypt. Mm. And so her frame of thinking is Islamic. She understands these people. She understands sure. how they operate. Um, Rachel uh, worked for 30 years as an intelligence gatherer for the Israeli government uh, through the radio TV services. Sure. And she picked up a broadcast where this is like at the beginning of her work 35 years ago. And the Saudis were saying, even if it takes us 150 years, we will make America a Muslim country. Wow. Now, you know, America is the great Christian Satan right. in the eyes of Islam. I've heard that. So there's one of two ways to deal with it. Either you destroy America, which is the 9-11 mentality of terrorism, or the quiet uh, um, ideology of hijra. Hijra in Arabic means uh, emigration of Muslims from all over the world, where indeed they have no work prospects. Right. Uh, and they come to America. Uh, so 150 years to make America Muslim. Now, when my wife retired five years ago, she picked up a broadcast from the same station, and they were saying, you know, we said it was going to take 150 years to make America Muslim. Well, we were wrong. Yeah. It's only going to take us another 30 years. Wow. Because the Americans are so naive and so bribed. Right. The gatekeepers are bribed. Right. Uh, including Republicans. Republicans and Democrats are the same thing. Right. Um, and, she, and so what happened was I, traveling around the United States, would also pick up information on my own, but it would match what my wife was picking up. And so one of the key things that is in my second book, Christian Revival for Israel Survival, uh, is uh, take, for example, uh, University uh, in, of North Carolina, Duke University. And um, one day the, the leadership of the university gets a cablegram. This is like 40 years ago. And uh, cablegram that the Sheik of Brunei is coming, very wealthy man. Wow. And he's bringing a $23 million check. They say, we're bringing you a gift, $23 million, no strings attached. And so the Sheik of Brunei comes, they make a big party for him. I mean, $23 million bucks is a lot of money. Especially, yeah, especially 40, 40 years ago. 40 years ago. <laughs> and uh, the Sheik of Brunei says, you know, we, we know about your university. I mean, it's not Ivy League, but it's pretty good. It's Catholic. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, they said, you know, and uh, we want to, we appreciate you guys. We want to help you guys. So uh, we have noticed that Duke University does not have an Arabic language chair huh. or an Islamic studies chair. And we want to help you to establish them. And we'll give you another $23 million. Oh, wow. This is all in my second book, Christian Revival for Israel Survival. Then they say, okay, that's $46 million. Then they say... We are also going to give you the professors uh, to teach Islam. Who are they? Missionaries sure. for Islam. Yeah. And we will give you the materials to study, which is missionary materials. Uh, and then we're going to send you students to help your students uh, to tutor them about wow. Islam. Yeah, wow. We will send you 500 young male Muslim students a year. Uh, so basically, by the end of four years, you have 500 uh, freshmen, juniors, you know, uh, uh, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, 2,000 hot-blooded young males, uh, and uh, 
which will pay full room board and tuition. Now, that's a lot of money. Yeah. At the end of the day, the university receives $100 million from this. Yeah. Which, you know, for the university is a lot of money. But is $100 million a lot for the Islamic world? Uh, probably not. With all the oil? Not from Brunei or from right. Saudi Arabia or Dubai or any of those places. So, uh, boys will be boys, and Muslim boys can marry Christian girls. They can marry Jewish girls. They can marry any girls, but not vice versa. You cannot go out on a date with a Muslim woman because they will kill her and they will kill you. Wow, yeah. Uh, so the men uh, uh, come to America with a budget to wine and dine and woo these American girls. Yeah. They sweep the American girls uh, off their feet like Rudolph Valentino. <laughs> And, uh, the, I mean, American women are not used to this romantic image of a, a man who pursues them. Here in America, the man, you know, let's go to McDonald's, you know, <laughs> a hamburger. No, these guys come with money. They buy jewelry for the women. Oh, wow. They treat them very well. Um, never touch them until they get married. Huh. Then they can do anything they want with them. But the point is that uh, they marry these American women, have ch you know, after what happens after two years? These men get passports. Gotcha. They yeah. come here with the express purpose of getting passports mm -hmm. and having Muslim children because the American women become Muslim baby-producing factories. Uh, then, once they have American passports, they can bring in their parents and siblings and cousins and aunts it's and uncles. Chain, chain immigration. Yeah. This is what President Trump was talking about. Yeah. Um, so after uh, four years, Duke University area uh, becomes heavily populated by Muslims because of this visa, student visa thing. Um, from what I have seen, and I've been to some very, very distant places in Canada and in the United States where nobody even goes, nobody knows these. I'm like a private investigator. I'm like <laughs> Maxwell Smart, Agent 86. <laughs> Constantly picking up information. Yeah. Everywhere I go, these the people come to me say, save our daughters. Mm. Because we have all these Muslim men now in the universities. How did they get in? Each university gets $100 million. Yeah. Multiply that times 1,000, and so you got about $100 billion or wow. whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm just giving you ballpark figures. This money means nothing. Lot, lots of money. It means nothing to Islam because they put Allah in the center of the box. Yeah. Christians and Jews put God outside the box. Like, okay, we'll go to church or we'll go to synagogue. No, no, Islam, like you said, is very tribal, Yeah, very controlling. Uh, if you go against it, they will kill you. Your family has to kill you. Mm. So I have taken the liberty of saying that there are 30 million Muslims in America today. There are no statistics uh, there's this lie that there are two or three million Muslims. I was going to say, I looked it up, and I, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't say 30 million for sure. Well, uh, I say 30 million for sure, and I'll explain why. Uh, first, you have four million black Muslims from the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan. That's, Which are not counted in that number, probably. Well, I don't know. I mean, four million Muslims. Yeah. Then, do you remember the Shah of Iran? When he fell from power... You had the same situation with Iran that you have today with Afghanistan. Gotcha. If you were an ally of the United States and you did not leave Iran, you got beheaded. Right. That was the 70s or early 80s? 79. Yeah. So Reagan, President Reagan, he did the right thing. Yeah. These people were not fanatic Muslims. They're good Muslims. They're good people. And I say they're good Muslims. Yeah. Just like there are good Germans. <laughs> 
But are there are the Nazis uh, good people? No, Nazis no. Germans yes. Right. And so, from my understanding, nine million Shiites from Iran were brought. It's only ten, less than ten percent of the population, but they were the ones who were allied. The military of Iran, the oil people. If they didn't leave, they were going to be beheaded. Many were beheaded. Yeah, that's why the others came. So nine million Shiites and four million uh, 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 black Muslims is thirteen million. Yeah, um, I know for a fact that you have millions and millions and millions of Sunnis who came in from many countries in the Middle East. Um, I heard the, the the amount from the Sunni Muslim organization in America of seven million. That was about twenty years ago. Huh. So it was over 20 million then. Yeah. Um, now you have the Somalis. You have a Somali woman making trouble in yes, Congress. Yes, Ilhan Omar, yeah. Uh, you've got Muslims from the Turkish republics and those that break, broke away from Russia. Yeah. You have the Chechens uh, who are Russian Muslims. Uh, if you remember the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm-hmm. And um, is that the Sarnayev brothers? Is that who that was? Sarnayev, yes. Sarnayev, okay. And uh, actually, the Russian government warned the United States: check these guys out; they're terrorists. Huh? But there's some kind of a mental block in Washington that prevents the authorities in America from checking the people hmm. out. Yeah, it's the whole anti-racial profiling ideology. Exactly. So yeah. I have to tell you a little story. Sure. There was a triple murder in Boston, or Boston. Bastard. And uh, it was three Jewish college boys. And the police found their bodies covered with cocaine. And so they, the police said, well, okay, it's drug-related. Uh, but the wallets were not taken. The money was not taken. Huh. And so when the police, you know, came to a dead end, because it was a dead end, um, they, they basically closed the file, three dead Jewish kids in college, then came the Boston Marathon bombing, and um, the uh, at that time the FBI arrested all of the Chechens in uh, Boston. It was like a hundred of them. Okay, and um, in the investigation, it turned out that the Charnayev brothers uh, slit the throats of the three Jewish boys, and um, had nothing to do with drugs. The drugs was just to cover up the trail. Yeah. It was because those three boys were Jewish. That's so sad. And I have many stories like that. Um, there's a story, for example, in Houston of a Jewish boy uh, who was beheaded. I, you can look it up on the internet. Yeah. Jewish boy beheaded in Houston by Saudi prince. They were best friends. I mean, they were really bosom buddies. They were together all the time. And one day they found the Jewish boy's head chopped off. And the Saudi made some inexplicable escape back to Saudi Arabia. Huh. Like 9-11. Yeah, because he's a prince. Right? Well, yeah, and the Saudis, you know. Diplomatic immunity or something. 9-11, there were the, the, the only planes flying out of the U.S. were Saudi planes because they were in bed with President Bush, George W. Bush. Uh, listen, this thing is yada yada. It goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, 9-11, you know, we're coming now to the 20th anniversary of 9-11. That's right. I will never forget the betrayal of President George W. Bush, who said, Allah is God, Islam is the religion of peace, and go back to sleep. So the American people went back to sleep again. You know, the churches were packed 
after 9-11. Yeah. And then after three, four weeks, it went back to, you know, the, the lower amounts. So if your president tells you go back to sleep, ignore it. Yeah. Now you're going to have something many times worse than 9-11. Sure. With the pullout, with the surrender in uh, Pakistan, uh, in Afghanistan. Okay. Well, Pakistan actually was behind everything the Taliban did. They could not have done it without Pakistan. Well, that's what I heard. I heard they go over the border, and that's where they've been staging, yeah. right? In order because the U.S. is not going into Pakistan, um, at least not on regular, you know, patrols or missions or anything like that. Uh, so you, America has one of two decisions: either America fights them in Afghanistan, returns the troops, or America uh, uh, surrenders. And you're going to fight them here on American soil. Mm. And like I said before, the Chinese understand this. Chinese don't take prisoners. Yeah. Chinese do the right thing. So let me ask you this. So uh, you mentioned uh, the politicians that happen to be Muslims, like Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. And one of the curious things to me is the fact that they align themselves with the Democrat Party. Um, right. Instead of having their own independent party or something like that. And it just seems like strange bedfellows to me. Why would a uh, super right-wing conservative organization like Islam, right? Um, and I say that from a worldview standpoint, you know, what they believe and how they live their lifestyle and all that, align themselves with a party that seems to be diabolically opposed to everything they believe in. And diabolically opposed to Christianity, diabolically opposed to Israel, right? diabolically opposed to all the values that made America great. So, so it's an enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 they want to take advantage of uh, the, uh, the, the people who, I don't want to say it, I would not say it myself, but there are those people on the right who say that the Democrats are traitors. Huh. And so the, the birds of a feather flock together. Mm. Uh, I saw the uh, Democratic Party convention, and I heard the boos. When the moderator said, well, we've got to include God in our platform, and everyone was booing. Yeah. And then he said, well, we're going to do it anyway because we have to have God in the platform. <laughs> so they had to swallow frogs. Then we have to, you know, put Israel in the, in the campaign. No, boo, 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 boo. Yeah. And they did that too. But um, I heard the boos, and I heard the hatred. Yeah. Uh, the vitriol sure. against Christians. You know, I want to tell you something else also, and I'm going to answer something that uh, you didn't even ask. Like, why did the Jews vote? Yeah, well, yeah, that's another good question. And the Jews actually are allies with the Muslims. Now, mm. there is this um, uh, myth that goes back to 1492 that the Muslims and the Jews were allies and they were kicked out by the Catholics in uh, Spain in 1492. And, you know, it sounds strange coming from the Jew, Avi Lipkin, but uh, from the Catholic perspective the Catholics were 100% correct to kick out the Jews and the Muslims. You know why? Why? Because Spain had been uh, invaded three times by Muslim armies, once by an Arab army in 711, right. and then afterwards by two different Moroccan armies that came in. Uh, and they called them the what? The Moors back then. So I think a lot of people in, in history, when they're reading their history book, they're reading it saying the Moors, meaning Muslims. Right? Moroccans, yeah, yes. Okay. And one of the crazy things, you know, I, I've been down to the Mexican border, in Brownsville and uh, uh, McAllen. So I go over to, you know, uh, Matamoros. Uh, I speak Spanish. It's my mother tongue. And uh, I say to my Mexican friends when I go over, I say, do you know what Matamoros means? No. <laughs> it's, it means kill the Moors. <laughs> Matamoros. Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah. Kill the Moors. 
because this is a continuation of the Reconquista, the reconquest of Spain. Yeah. And uh, the Spanish fought for 760 years to get rid of the Muslims. Uh, you know, one of the things I always stress, I studied in college Russian and Sovietology, and I studied Spanish and Latin American studies. Huh. What do the two have in common? A thousand years of war with the Muslims. Interesting. Okay. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Now, in 1492... Who controlled Morocco and North Africa? The Muslims, the Moors. What what nation? Oh, uh, the Spanish. No, the Turks. Oh, okay, so we're talking about North this, Africa. Would this be the Ottomans or the Ottomans? Yeah. And their fleets were right off the coast of Spain. Right, well because it's right there. And Ferdinand mm. and Isabella knew that the Turkish navy was there ready to invade Spain. A fourth time. In other words, a fourth Muslim invasion of Spain. Interesting. Because this is a seesaw battle. Yeah. And it's like the Crusades goes up and down. And up well, and, and like down. an administration change, and then they get weaker or stronger, and vice versa. So the, so the Moors in 1492 were on the verge of invading Spain, and the Catholic king and queen said, you know, these Jews and, and Muslims are leaving the back door open for the Muslims to come in through Granada. Okay. We can't tolerate that. So the Jews, with all the pain... You know, we Jews, I say it, we Jews, you know, were, and were kicked out. My wife, Rachel, who was born and raised in Egypt, her family came from Spain, and they went to Morocco and Turkey. The Turks took them in. And the Turks uh, arrived at the greatest peak of their uh, power when the Jews and the Muslims were kicked out and joined the Ottoman Empire. Gotcha. The Jews were very active in the Ottoman Empire. And um, actually, now I'm writing my eighth book. Wow, eighth book. Yeah, my eighth book is about, uh, it's called Lepanto II uh, and the Turkish Armageddon. And what I'm saying, you know, I said 1492 was the, was the expulsion of the Jews and the Muslims. 1571, there was a massive sea battle. Now, you remember 1588, that was the Spanish Armada, was destroyed by the, the Protestant navies, England and Holland. Right. Well, everybody in America knows about that because the Catholics w uh, were whipped by the Protestants. <laughs> but 17 years before 1571, the Catholic fleet, fleets of Spain and Venice wiped out the Turkish fleet. This was the beginning of the end of the Ottoman Empire, 1571. 1683, the Catholics came down from Poland, uh, King uh, uh, Jan Sobieski. By the way, I was on the Jan Sobieski train from Vienna to Warsaw. I took that train. Um, he defeated the Turks in 1683 at the gates of Vienna. And that began the, the ground offensive of the Christians pushing the Turks down towards the, the Bosporus. So what I'm saying now is that I think the Turks are going to, you know, this is not the subject today. Sure. Today we're talking about Afghanistan, Iran. The Turks are there. The Turks are getting ready for a major sea battle around the island of Cyprus to cut off the gas pipeline from Israel to Italy. The gas pipeline goes, will go from Israel to Cyprus to Greece to uh, Italy. And the Turks are saying, we're, we're going to be major partners in this. Otherwise, we're going to destroy it. We won't let the Greeks have it. And we're going to kill all the Greeks in Cyprus. I mean, crazy stuff. And, and so this is, this is present day Erdogan. This is right now. Yeah, this is Erdogan, right? Erdogan, yeah. yeah he's nuts. Okay. And uh, so I have heard 
I can't say exactly, you know, what's happening, but that the Israeli commandos are now in Cyprus training with the Cypriot Christians, Greeks, uh, and preparing for this war. And the, 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 the Israeli Navy uh, is capable of sinking the entire Turkish fleet in one day. Uh, but what the problem is, uh, we will win the battle, uh, but then there will be an Armageddon war because Sunni Muslims from all over the world, including Afghanistan and yeah. Pakistan and the republics that broke away from the Soviet Union, 200 million of them, and Indonesia and Malaysia and India, you're talking about hundreds of millions of volunteers that are going to go to Turkey, Sunnis. Sure. And then to invade Israel from the north. They will take Syria, Lebanon. Do you know how many Christians are going to be beheaded? Ugh. I mean, this is crazy. The Christians, the Druze, and the Israelis are going to have to defend everyone because America is going into to finky land, you know, with this president. Yeah. I've heard... Um I've heard, you know, the the from, you know, just accounts in Afghanistan, things that I've read, articles that uh, they have a list of the Christians and the people that have they check they the check the phones, right? All the uh, attachments, yeah, and um, and that they are seeking them out even right now, yeah, yeah, um, to to kill them. the Taliban is, in in Afghanistan. So there's, I mean, there's a ton of history uh, between. It sounds like, at least, the Islam and fighting all of those different nations in that area. Uh, there's Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun, right? I mean, this is it, it, the things are always the same, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that I'm saying also is that ISIS. I love President Trump. I've said it a million times. Yeah. But uh, President Trump is wrong when he says that ISIS is gone. Right. Right. Well, ISIS. What is it? An ideology? It's a caliphate. I, ISIS is Orthodox Islam. Interesting. Ninety-two percent of Saudi Arabia is ISIS. Ninety-two percent. So, so okay. So, I mean, you have the the nine eleven, you know, yeah. attack. It'll happen again. It's mostly Saudis, yeah. right? Um, and I've heard I've heard a couple of different things. Rich, but, rich Saudis, good, well-to-do boys, not poor, uh, impoverished people. Right. People I've, with ideological motive. And that's and so and they say that, and this is what I've heard that there's a Wahhabist or some sort of an ideology that is exported from Saudi yes, Arabia. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know much more than just to say that. I don't even know what Wahhabism is or, or what that means. Insanity. <laughs> Allah is Satan. Yeah. And America is Christian. Yeah. And the, the Muslims want to defeat Christian America. Wow. That's incredible. So, so in regards to Afghanistan, yeah. um, you know, what, what is... Why would the Taliban, right? So I guess Trump had made a, a deal with the devil uh, in this aspect, with the Taliban being a terrorist organization, uh, that they would hold off while the U.S. did their, you know, process of, of moving out. But it sounds like that everyone, including Trump, knew the Taliban was eventually going to be taking back over. Right. And so, I mean, what do you I mean? Help me understand the pieces of the puzzle here, and and why that would even be acceptable in any way, shape, or form, and what has prevented, you know, the strongest army in the world, and it sounds like many armies throughout history from being able to to stamp out the ideology of that radical Islamic terrorism. The greatest powers, England, was the greatest power. They yeah, lost. Right. Russia and America, the greatest powers. They lost. And to the Chinese. Yeah. The so you Chinese, think that you think the Chinese are going to invade? Absolutely. Well, and so tell me what what incurred events could somebody go and look to 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 get some corroboration for that? Have you seen 
how the Chinese are taking over Africa. But normally that's through, through debt, right? Well, first investment. Right, well, investment. And then when the, when the local nations are not able to pay, the Chinese come and take over. Right. It's not just Africa. It's Latin America also. Yeah, it's all over the place. I've seen some of that stuff, and it's not good. Venezuela is the richest country on earth. But because of the failed system of communism, socialism, Chavez yeah. and Maduro, they lost it. Yeah. So who came in? The Shiites and the Chinese and the Russians. So are the Shiites and the Chinese in it together? Yeah, because they're against the Sunnis. Right, okay. The so Sunnis it's... are the enemies of everybody. Yeah. The ironic thing is what? that Israel just signed peace agreements with four Sunni countries. Right. Well, and here I thought all this time that the Shiites were the radical terrorists, right? Um, at least that's what you've always heard. Oh, there's the Shiites because they have. The they Shi even hate the Sunnis. The Shiites are 15%, the Sunnis 85 So who's going to win? Well, probably the Sunnis. The Sunnis. Yeah. Turkey is what? Sunni. Right. Now, and this is an interesting thing about Turkey is that 31% of Turkey is actually Shiite Alawite, and they are discriminated against. They are suppressed in mm. Turkey. 31%. 25% of Turkey is Kurdish. Well, I mean, 25% of all those nations is Kurdish, and, right? And so actually Turkish Sunni Turkey yeah. is only 44%. See, I've, oh, that's one of the things that I think that doesn't get enough coverage. You know, everybody's focused on Israel because they hate Jews. Yeah. And the Palestinian, the plight, quote unquote, of the Palestinians. They have it better than the Muslims in any other country. Which are, which, which are Arabs, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. They're Jordanians, they're Egyptians. You know, we know what, what the reality is on that. But there's, what, 40 million Kurds? With no, no land? Uh, could be, yeah. I mean, that's just the number that I've heard. Iran, Iraq, Syria, uh, um, even southern Russia has Kurds. Right. And Turkey, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of... A lot of so, so... And the Kurds are good friends of Israel. Well, I, I think the Kurds uh, have, seem to have been helpful in Syria as well. Right. Um, and, and again, that's, that's, I think, one of the, the things where America not really focused on its principles and being uh, strong in its principles has made alliances loosely or otherwise with, you know, otherwise terrorist organizations that just happen to hate the other group that they're trying to topple over or whatever. No, no. But the Kurds genuinely have been friends with the I'm Jews. Not, the Kurds being the exception to that. Right. I'm talking about people that hate the Kurds. They're like, we're over here helping the Kurds and arming yeah. the Kurds. But then in the South, we're over here arming the terrorist organization that they're both fighting against this group. But then as soon as that's over, this group's going to attack this group. You know, and right. it's like a weird chess game. You know, I have to tell you a crazy story. Um, you know, we have in Israel, we have in our army uh, 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 an ethnic group known as the Druze. Okay. D-R-U-Z-E. The Druze are descended from Jethro. Okay, Yitro, that's Jethro, okay. So they know that they are cousins of ours. Yeah. But at the same time, they're cousins with the children of Ishmael. Well, well right. Because yeah. the, Jethro is descended from Midian. Right, Midian, right. Midian was one of the sons of Abraham. Right. So right, you have from Midian, Ketura. and you have Ishmael, and you have Isaac. So we're all cousins. Sure. And uh, so the sons of Ishmael hate the Jews, and actually they hate the children of Jethro, because the children of Jethro believe that Jethro is the greatest of all the prophets. Now, if you are in a Muslim country... Even to this day? Of course. Okay, all right. And they're very militant, uh, that Jethro is the greatest of all the prophets. And you look at the Torah... 
and there was never any mention at all of uh, any bad mention of Jethro. Jethro is like the big hero for God. Sure. So Jethro, uh, you know where Jethro is buried? Uh, in Midian? <laughs> no, he's buried in Israel. Is he really? What happened was, okay, now, I don't know how much time we have left, but... We got some time. We got okay, a so minutes. the story is that uh, Moses, you know, takes the children of Israel into Saudi Arabia. Um, do you know where Midian is? Uh, so I think so, right? On a map, it's what, southeast of Israel? Well, south southeast of Israel. Uh, Midian is Medina. Okay, so Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Okay. You have two holy cities, Mecca and Medina. Huh. Now, one of the names of Medina in Arabic is Yathrib. Yathrib is Jethro. Huh. So Jethro lived in Medina, and they would go on pilgrimage around the Black Stone. Right. There was no Mecca. Mecca is a city that came later. And, uh, and so Moses marries the daughter of Jethro, right. who's his cousin. Right, Zipporah. Yeah, you only go back five generations to, to Isaac and uh, uh, Midian. And if you remember the story about Pinchas, Pinchas yep. is Phineas, yep. where he skewers. Yes, the Midianitish woman. Yep. Okay, her name is Kosbi. Right. Kosbi Batsur. What does Sur mean in Hebrew? The stone. The black stone. She's the daughter of the stone? Yeah. Huh. Her father is called Sur. He was the, the chieftain of the black stone in Mecca. This is according to my yellow book, to my, okay. to my story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So after he killed her, all of a sudden the Arab tribes are saying, these Jews are making trouble, you know, these children of Moses. Yeah. So at the end of the book of Numbers, you have this big battle. All right. And five Midianite chieftains are killed and they lose. Right. Well, now, what's the problem? That behind them, there are many more. Wow, yeah. So in Deuteronomy 2, verse 2, God says to the Israelites, enough being encamped on this mountain, Mount Sinai, yeah, which is really in northwest Saudi. Right. Head north. It's told as a GPS. Head north to the land of the Amorites, to the land that I have promised your forefathers. So the 38 years are in Saudi. Uh, and then the, the last two years are in Jordan and Iraq. Right. And so the Israelites head north, and then they cross over the Jordan. Um, now, Moses, in the Torah, twice, says to Jethro, come with us. The first time he says, no, I have a day job. <laughs> yeah. You know, the black stone. And um, one of the things I say is that when Moses goes to live with Jethro 40 years, he's going to the black stone. Then when Moses is 80, God says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go so that they may go around circling in the desert. Yeah. Because the word is celebrate really, you know, hug in Hebrew is a holiday, but right. in Arabic it's hajj or hajj because the Egyptian, they say hug. Right. And the, the Saudis say hug. But all of this means to go around in circles around the black stone. Right, which is which is information that's in this book. Right, so I've and read so, and, I've read the yellow book. And then we have these the phylacteries, uh, the, the cubic phylacteries, which the, I say are remnants of the black stone. Anyway, sorry. So, <laughs> so these Arabian tribes said we're going to kill this Jethro because his son-in-law is such a troublemaker. So Jethro and his family, according to Josephus, 
are allotted uh, uh, an inheritance in the land of Israel, in the lower Galilee, and then he's buried right outside of Tiberias. Wow. That's and incredible. so the Druze who live in Israel uh, go on pilgrimage to the tomb of the Nebi Shuaib. Nebi Shuaib is another name for, for Jethro. Sure. Okay, why am I telling you all this? Yeah. So we have a special relationship with the Druze. Now, there are Druze in Israel. They are faithful and they're great people and they serve in the army. But you've got Druze who serve in Jordan, Jordanian army, Syrian army, and Lebanese army. They, they have a loyalty to the territory in which they live. So, you know, the Druze are not enemies. They're just, you know, loyal. They fight for their country. Sure. Now, ISIS, and as you know, south of Syria, ISIS. Yep. And they surrounded a mountain called the Mountain of the Druze. And there were 700,000 Druze there. And they're all going to be killed by ISIS. So the top commanders of the Druze in the Israeli army came to Netanyahu and said, you know, either Israel invades the south of Syria, which we did not want to do. Right. Because Mountain of Druze is like 20, 30 miles away. Uh, or let us go as volunteers and we will help to defeat ISIS. A few weeks later, the Russians come in. Right. So the Russians basically saved Israel from having to go in with its Druze volunteers. Yeah, not to complicate matters from a geopolitical perspective. The anymore. Russians <laughs> here are absolutely the good guys yeah. to defeat the Sunnis. Right. Um, right, because they're in bed with, I say in bed, but they're allied with the Shiites, right? With, with the Iran Shiites. And, and the, and the, the composition of the alliance in Damascus with Bashar al-Assad is Shiite Muslims, uh, Sunni Muslims who were always part of the infrastructure and, sure. the, and the Ba'ath party. Yep. The Druze, the Christians, the Kurds, and the Yazidis. So it was the perfect storm because it was 50% of the population totally Sunni and 50% of the, uh, the other, the, the, of the loyalists of Bashar al-Assad who were, you know, uh, there were Sunnis also, but also including uh, Christians gotcha. uh, and uh, Shiites and the others. Gotcha. Okay, so um, that's probably a good segue to move to one last topic because we only have a, a few minutes left. Right. Uh, and that is, you live in Israel, right? Right. Um, and you're here visiting us in the states. Came six thousand miles away just to see to me, right? right. Which I appreciate that very much. Yes, thank uh, you. <laughs> um, and you're an author, right? You mentioned you have seven books that you've seven written books, so far, correct? But you have DVDs and teachings, right? And you have. Um, uh, I, I used to work very much with Chuck Missler. Oh right, right. When he was alive, Chuck Missler. And man. so most of my DVDs and CDs are Chuck Missler produced. Um, now I've produced my own yeah. because Chuck's not around anymore, unfortunately. What a guy. I love him. I miss, I, I love his memory. I miss him. Yeah. So. Yeah. What a great guy. Um, so, but I want to talk very quickly about the Bible block party. Yes. Um, there's, you know, our heart here at Beit Tehillah and with Christians and, uh, Christians with Torah, our audience, they know we're big on how can Christians and Jews work together. It sounds like you have outlined so far that there is... Uh, an ideology out there that is a common enemy for us, and that um, it's it's sweeping the world in one form or another, and and there's any number of them, right? I mean, it's it's leftism, it's atheism, it's you know Islam, it's all of these ideologies that are anti-God, anti-God of Israel, anti-God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and right. so those of us that have the common ground of believing in the Torah, believing in the Bible, believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know. Where is the safe haven, and how can we help ensure that safe haven, you know, exists and you know, into posterity? Okay, 
Uh, you know that we had a terrible Holocaust in World War II. Yes. And one of the contentions of the Jewish people and the Jewish leadership is that nobody came to the rescue. Right. The Christians were not there. There were Christians. There were good Christians who individually saved Jews. But not enough. Not enough. The king of Denmark was a great hero, saved all the Jews of Denmark. The king of Bulgaria saved the Jews of Bulgaria, but not the Jews who fled to Bulgaria, who were not Bulgarians. So he gets a B, let's say. Okay. King of Denmark we'll gets a C. Yeah. But most of the other nations really did not help. Now, it says in the Bible, Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Yes. So on the one hand, we say, well, these people didn't bless us, so they're not going to be blessed. Okay. Now we have an Islamic ideology says, we are going to finish the work that Hitler started right. and wipe out the Jews. And the difference is that today, 70 years later, you've got a group called the Evangelical Christians who love the Jews, at least some of the Evangelical Christians. And yet, in Israel, we have this tribal mentality of hating the Christians because of the persecutions of 2,000 years. Sure. At least within the ultra-Orthodox community, correct? Exactly. Yeah. You know, so there's a saying in America, you may be right, but you may be dead right. <laughs> the Jews cannot afford to be right, but dead right. Yeah, I got you. In other words, we need to have allies. We need to have Christians who love us and are ready even to give their lives for us. But if we reject those Christians and we hate those Christians, then there's something wrong. Now, what I've been saying for the last 30 years is that we have Christians living in Israel. We have 2% of our population uh, which is not enough to gain representation in the Knesset by law. Yeah. And these are Arab Christians who've been living in the land since the time of Christ. Okay, 2%. Yeah. But then in 88 to 90, 91, and since then even, many Russian-speaking Jews came from Russia, Ukraine, uh, Kazakhstan, other former republics of the Soviet Union. Uh, I would say about 2 million Russian speakers moved to Israel. Of the 2 million Russian speakers, about 400,000 are not Jewish because the father is a Jew and the mother is a Christian. So according to the rabbinate, it's the religion of the mother. Oh, okay. Also, there are about 70,000 Russian Orthodox Christians living in Israel. The Russian Orthodox churches are packed, whereas during the communist Cold War, they were, sh they were you know, shut down. Right. Now... We have also Messianics, we're a very small group, 10,000. Uh, we have the Ethiopians coming in, and there are those, I don't, know, I don't have a number, who are Messianic. They're gotcha. believers. They're Bye. Jewish by blood, but they're Messianic. I would say that we can count eventually on the votes of half a million voters out of, you know, nine million. Half a, half a million Christian believers or people whose father is Jewish, mother is Christian, therefore the rabbinate uh, excludes them, um, they have no representation today. My party will give them representation. Right. Uh, I think we can get six, seven, eight members of Knesset. Uh, my book now is being translated into Hebrew, and God willing, I'll take it one more step, into Russian. Okay. Because when the books come out in Hebrew and Russian, uh, all the people who do not know about us today will know about us. 
and this will increase our voting potential. We need 140,000 votes out of the half million to get the first four deputies into the Knesset. Now, this is a very tough battle because this is a begin. This is, you know, you have A to Z, so we're at A now. Right. The very first step. Uh, I know we don't have time for another podcast, but there is a, 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 a brewing holocaust here in America where Muslims and you know, Nazis, um, Antifa and Black Lives Matter have all one thing in common. There's going to be civil war and they're going to kill the Jews. And yet the Jews don't want to hear about it. Yeah. So after enough Jewish blood is spilled, you're going to see many of these Jews and Christian spouses, you know, intermarriage is 80%, moving to Israel. We have a potential immigration to Israel of 6 million Jews and 4 million Christians. Wow, that's, that would more than double the population. Yes, and it would make my party the biggest party in the Knesset. <laughs> there you go. Which means if my wife doesn't kill me by then, I'm prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Bible Block Party. So if you want to know more, people should just get my book in yeah. English. I wrote it in 2006. I'm going to rewrite it now. Now that the party has been registered, sure, we've run in four elections. We're getting ready now for the fifth election, and uh, I'm 72. I'm a dyslexic 72. I'm really 27, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to uh, serving God every day of my life for the rest Hallelujah. of my life. And it, when God wants to take me, He'll take me. But until then, I'm marching. Yeah. So, okay. So. How can people find your books to purchase, especially the Bible Block Party book? And how can they find you on the internet or communicate with you or donate to your cause? All of those things. Well, I'm very stymied. Uh, Amazon has taken off my books. Uh, PayPal does not work with me anymore. Uh, I think you can agree with me that the high-tech people have their ways of shutting you down. Sure they do. Uh, you know, so there are uh, congregations like Beit Tehillah, which yep. have my books. Yep. I, those people here in Florida who want to get them can just come here and get them. Well, that, and you can email me, yeah. uh, ryan at twopraise.net, if you want to order a book, and we'll get it paid for and do all that, and we'd ship it to them. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I do have uh, my own internet. Uh, in other words, my own email. People can write to me. Uh, but I'm in Israel, so it's much harder to ship the books out. Sure. Vic, Vicmord2001 at yahoo.com. Uh, and there are other Christian ministries which very actively promote my books, like Prophecy Watchers and Southwest Radio Church. Look them up, and you'll find them. They sell my books. Sure. And, um, you know, I, I don't get depressed when I'm blackballed by Amazon or blackballed by PayPal. And, uh, you know, there's a saying, he who laughs last, laughs best. Ah. And God is the victor. Right. And so we're, if we're marching with God and if he wants this to, to happen— my party will get into the Knesset. Yeah, praise God. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I'm, you know, what a, what a dream. I told you, you know, you were a celebrity to me, you know what I mean? And now here we are, and we got you on the show, and that's great. Um, if you guys have any questions, what was that email address? It was Vic Moore, V-I-C? V-I-C, like uh -huh. Victor, yep. and Mordecai, M-O-R-D. Okay, Victor Mord. Vic, no, not Victor Mord, Vic Mord. Okay, Vic Mord. 2001. At yahoo.com. All right, vicmord2001 at yahoo.com. So that's your email address. Right. What was the website that they could go to? Uh, avilipkin.net. Avilipkin.net. Yes, it, got and it. Uh, usually I answer emails pretty quickly. I'm now on my drive from Florida back to uh, Texas, and then next week I fly from Texas back to Florida and then catch my flight from Miami to uh, Israel with El Al. Got it. 
Okay. Well, praise God. Well, thank you guys. I've given you the information on how you can contact him. Uh, if you guys need anything from me, it's ryan at twopraise.net. Bless you. Have a great week.